Y'all make some noise for the Lord tonight. Welcome to The Connection. We are so excited that you're here tonight. He is good, isn't he? God is so good all the time. And I think all of us at one part of our life or another, we've experienced God's goodness, God's grace in our lives. And just tonight as we come together corporately, let's just worship him for his goodness, for his grace, for his mercy, for all that he's done for us, for all that he's going to do. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done for us, for what you did by sending your son, Lord. We can never express the gratitude that we have for that, Father. We love you. We thank you for your love, God. And we just pray that you'll accept this worship as a, a sweet offering, Father, that we would just bless your heart. We love you. We come to you with open hearts, Lord, leaving all the baggage at the door. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
my heart was sick no other name Jesus Jesus Declare that tonight. Weight of every curse upon 
gonna sing it out with final breath. With final breath he gave as heaven looked away. The Son of God was laid in darkness. The battle in the grave, the war on death was waged. The power of hell forever broken. And brow began to shake.
sing hallelujah the lamb is overcome we sing hallelujah we sing Uh, the next couple of minutes, uh, we're going to sing one more song tonight. And as we do, man, I want to encourage everybody. Man, <laughs> you know, it's, it's super easy, you know, every single week. And we, we say this every every week, but, man, it's super easy to come in and, and read words on the screen or hang out with people and leave and never really experience, man, the presence of God or, or the love of God. And uh, tonight we're going to sing a song. The name of it is How Great Thou Art. It's one of the, you know, the oldest songs that people still sing in church today. But one thing that's awesome about this song is it points out the stars. It points out all the worlds that, that God has made. And, you know, whenever you begin to look at that and you begin to look at, you know, our own life, it, it makes me think that, you know what, God is big enough to do anything he wants to do. You know, he can empower me, man. He can bless me. And worship is not about being empowered and being blessed, but it's about bringing our worship to him and realizing, man, how big he really is. So tonight, man, I want everybody to close your eyes, and I want you to help me sing and just know that, that God is great. And I know that's such a vague statement, but it's true tonight. So as we continue, man, I just want you to close your eyes, and I just want you to tell God in your own way to say, Lord, man, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for being a huge God. I thank you for being, Lord, my Redeemer, my Healer, God, my Provider. Lord, you're truly great. Lord, we thank you for that. Oh, Lord, my God, when I am awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Come on, think about that tonight. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout
what's going on at the connection christmas time is here again and with that we have a few ways for you to give back this year one of those being we are collecting toys to give to the orphans in india another way is we are collecting clothes to give to underprivileged families here in our area if you are interested in donating in any way please see a leader or a fly or pick up a flyer in our foyer for our Connection Christmas party, we're having dinner at Copeland's this Sunday at 6 o'clock. We're also doing White Elephant Gift Exchange, so bring a gift. This year for New Year's, Connection's taking a trip to Shreveport to the boardwalk and a trampoline park. We're leaving New Year's Day at 5 p.m., so be sure to mark your calendars. Well, that's it for the announcements this week, but would you join us as we continue to worship with our tithes and offerings? tonight we are so excited that you guys are here and especially the visitors if this is your first time here or if you haven't ever filled out a visitor card there's one in the chair back in front of you and we would love for you guys to fill that out so we can get to know you a little bit better also I know you guys just heard all of the announcements but we've got a lot of things going on coming up really quick this weekend on Sunday we have our connection Christmas party at Copeland's Woo woo, it's gonna be awesome. So I hope that you guys can come. It's gonna be just a gag, white elephant gift if you wanna bring one, it'll be incredible. And also, um, what I'm talking about for offering tonight is India. We get the opportunity to send a team to India in less than a month. If you're going to India, stand up real quick. <laughs> you guys look around, we have a whole connection team going um, to India, y'all can sit down and we're going to do amazing things there. There's a cyclone that hit them and so we're going to be doing a lot of manual labor helping them. If you guys could show those pictures up here, this is where we're going. Um, and then in the evenings, we're going to get to share God's uh, message to people who haven't heard the gospel. That was a picture of Travis sharing God's word just like for the very first time in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And these people are going to get to go to these villages that haven't heard Jesus. And um, this is an orphan so that's on campus where they're staying, where they're going to get to minister to the kids. And the next slide, that's India. <laughs> Welcome to India. It's crazy, but it's awesome. We love these people. These are the kids at the school that we'll be ministering to as well. There's going to be such an amazing opportunity just to send these people to India, even if you can't go. 
we can send them. God's called us to be the lenders and not the borrowers. And so if you feel an impression just to send this team or to be a part of that, um, grab an envelope and just designate it India on there. Uh, these people, are, they're raising about $2,000 a person to go. And so we're just really praying and believing that God is just going to do a wonder in that, in that nation that hasn't heard His Word. Amen. And we get to partner with God to do that. And so we just want to encourage you just to give as, as you feel led. But also just everything that you give goes to ministry here at Church on the Rock. We do missions. We do outreaches. There's all kinds of things going on. And we just want to encourage you to give. Amen. Now it's Travis. <laughs> He's going to speak. Awesome. Give it up for Jesus tonight. If you're excited to be here, if you're not excited, just pretend like you are. It'll like catch on. You know what I mean? But man, we are so happy that you are here. I know it's a dreary uh, night. I know it's uh, finals week if you go to college. But man, we're glad that you came out and uh, got maybe a little wet. Because uh, tonight, man, is, is going to be good. Just worship, uh, especially that last song, man. That like brought back some old school like uh, First Baptist moments for me. You know what I mean? Those were good times, you know? Anybody, can you relate? Some good stuff. I wish I could sing. I mean, I'd just sing to myself all the time. You know what I mean? Old school stuff. But uh, like Whitney said, uh, team's going to India. I'm excited about that to get to go back. Um, our Christmas party is um, this Sunday night. It's going to be amazing. Next week, next Thursday night, we will be having service. It will be our last service for 2014. So hopefully you can make it out. Uh, it's going to be a night of worship. We're going to take communion and uh, it's just going to be a great time. So hopefully you can come out and hang out. Uh, anybody in here, are you excited about Christmas? Anybody excited about Christmas? Anybody like uh, got all your Christmas like shopping done? Anybody? Me neither, right? <laughs> I don't normally do that. Whitney does it all and then I go buy her something that's awesome. Actually, I've had it for like a year. So anyways, uh, uh, anyway, man, hopefully you're excited about Christmas. Uh, Cole, do we have that picture up? I know someone that's really excited about Christmas uh, up here on the screen. Uh, that's my kid. I, I had to show this, right? If you don't have kids, like you will, you will relate when you have a kid. But man, um, Gabriel's really excited about Christmas this year. Uh, you can take that down. Like he's freaking me out right now. Um, we took him during Thanksgiving break to see Santa Claus. We thought it'd be a good experience. Um, hopefully my kid's not going to have to go to counseling years from now because some, some dude with a beard was like really uh, awkward and like was mean to him. L let's be honest, we're, we're in Dallas and we're at this uh, mall and we're waiting in line and uh, to see Santa Claus. And as soon as we get up there, our kid is fine. And Santa all grumpy like, he's like, is he going to cry? And then my kid starts crying. You know what I'm saying? Um, I hope that he peed on Santa's lap, honestly. But, uh, you know, of course we had to buy the picture even though he didn't smile or anything like that. But uh, anyways, man, I'm excited about Christmas season. Um, the series that I kind of started last week was entitled Regifted. And, uh, you know, as exciting as Christmas time is and, and presents and giving, as we know, this season is all about Jesus. And not really the season, but the world is about Jesus. You know what I mean? Everything should be about Jesus. And um, 
I find out this time of the year in my life and in the life of people around me, even though this is the time of the season where everyone is talking about Merry Christmas, remember the reason for the season, and people go to church maybe for one or two times a year, this is one of the times they go. I feel like um, even though there's a lot of tradition with Christmas season, I feel like the Christmas time, uh, a lot of people can put Christ on the back burner. You know what I mean? Because we got family, we got obligations, we got to go Christmas shopping, we got to go to Christmas parties, we got to do this. And even though the tradition and the, the, all the ambiage, it's all about Christmas and Jesus, a lot of times I find out in my life I can get so busy and this season I don't reflect and worship Jesus like I should. And so um, the whole point of last week's message and this week's message is, that's so cute. <laughs> When you have a kid, you're like, oh man, that's awesome. Uh, anyway, I feel like so many times out of the year, we focus on Jesus, but Christmas time gets, sometimes he gets the leftovers. So uh, this week again is about regifted. And the whole premise of this is that we would not give God our leftovers. We wouldn't give God a hand-me-down gift, right? Anybody in here ever given a re-gift before? Come on now. I mean, times are tough sometimes, you know? Like, I don't need that Buffalo Wild Wings card here. You can have it. Yeah, I thought just for you, you would like this. So here you go. But uh, God deserves our best, especially this time of year. Uh, if you remember last week, we kind of centered the message on Matthew chapter 2. It's part of the nativity story where the wise men, when Jesus is born, they bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus. They came with a good gift. They came from a long way away. Most theologians think a couple years uh, to bring this to Jesus because Jesus is a king and Jesus is worthy. And last week we talked about a couple of gifts. We talked about one gift that, that God has given us. And then we talked about a gift that we need to give God. The gift that God has given us, we talked about is grace. Do you remember? How many people are thankful for grace? Amazing grace, sustaining grace. I mean, God's grace is amazing. And we learned last week that grace is unearned, it's unmerited, uh, and it's undeserved. Grace, we've done nothing to obtain it, but God in his goodness and his mercy said, you know what, I want to love them. I want to restore a broken relationship. And then we talked about last week, how can we respond to this gift of grace? We can give God us. We can give God everything that we are. We can give him our life. We can give him our future. We can give him our plans, our relationship. All God wants is us. That's all he wants. And you know what? That's a gift that we can give. We may not be able to write, you know, $10,000 missionary checks. We may not be able to go to India or Africa every time there's a mission trip, but we can give God us. I can't give God what I don't have, but I can give God what I do have, right? And so I want to challenge you, man, let's let that be our mantra, not just for this season, but for our life. I want to give God my very best. Um, this week, we're going to stay kind of on the same path, and we're going to talk about one gift that we can give God this year. And if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Um, I preached on this topic probably three years ago, and it's been in my spirit for the last probably three weeks. And so we're going to look at this passage again. Luke 7, verse 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him, referring to Jesus, to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask, flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with anointing 
oil. Let's pray for a second. Lord, we love you tonight. We bless you, God, because you are so good. Lord, you are the gift giver. And uh, God, I pray tonight you would help us. You would show us who you are. You would show us how to respond to you. God, you would help us be more like you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that uh, you have a plan for our life. And God, I pray we would leave this place with a fresh revelation of who you are and what you want us to do. God, we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Has anybody here, you've ever shown up in a situation, um, let's say a party, for example, and you realized that you were kind of, um, let's just say this, you didn't bring what you thought you were supposed to bring. Maybe it was like a potluck and you didn't know it was a potluck and you showed up and you didn't have nothing. You know, people do that all the time at the church. You know what I mean? Oh, it's a potluck. That just means me come, right? That's what I do normally, honestly. Working at a church, you can get by with that. Um, but I can remember this time, I was probably fifth or sixth grade, and I had this friend. He wasn't like a best friend, but he was a friend. His name was Big Nate. Can you say Big Nate? Big Nate was my friend and Big Nate had just had like a birthday and like a week later he was having like this slumber party. How many people remember like slumber parties back in the day? You know what I mean? Like you had to be really young if you're a guy to go to a slumber party because it's not really cool like it is, uh, you know, for girls. Girls have slumber parties until they're like 60 years old, I think. But guys, once you get like seventh or eighth grade, like maybe if it's camping or you're like in the deer woods, that's cool. But you know, I was like fifth or sixth grade and, and I was going over to Big Nate's house because he was having this slumber party and I had this great idea in my mom's car on the way over there. I was like, mom, his birthday was last week. I ought to stop off and I ought to get him something for his birthday. And she was like, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. So I went into the store and, and I'm from Hooks. Anybody from around that area? 10 miles away. It's a good place. Uh, it's not a good place to start or start over. It's a good place to you know, hang out. I don't know. I don't have a slogan for hooks. Uh, anyways, we stop at Raycos and, and I get out. My mom's like, whatever. She gives me like $5 and I go get like some candy. You know what I mean? Like some Skittles some like milk duds. This was Big Nate. Like I knew he liked some food. So I got him some stuff and I had it like in a little sack. And I was like, man, I'm such a good friend. I mean, we're not really tight, but he invited me to a slumber party. So I'm going to at least bring him something. And uh, anyway, I show up at this slumber party and I get there and man, Big Nate, I guess, had a, he had a lot of friends I didn't know about. And there was like 30 people at this birthday party. I say birthday party because it was a birthday party. I thought it was just a slumber party. Um, I show up and his mom, within like five minutes of me being there, is like, okay, let's get all the presents. And I'm thinking, presents? Like, I'm just being nice to Big Nate. Like, I just bought some candy just to like bless him so I'd be like his best friend because Big Nate was kind of rich too. And uh, that was where my mind was when I was in sixth or seventh grade. So anyways, um, it, it was an awkward moment, you know, because I kind of put mine at the end and Big Nate, you know, he had some like, I guess some better friends than me. And, and there's like nice stuff, like a video game, like a, a football and all this stuff, like a, a, a VHS because DVDs weren't very popular back then. And <laughs> And I can remember just feeling like, oh my gosh, like hopefully like, you know, the, the smoke alarm will go off or something. Like I don't want Big Nate to have to open my present after this. And you ever been like to a birthday where they like read everything on it? Oh, this is from so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da. This is from so-and-so. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like your mom is annoying, Big Nate. And uh, anyways, we get to like my little sack at the end and uh, I could tell Big Nate was like let down by me. You know what I mean? Like 
I'm sure he ate it, but uh, it was just like a letdown. Like I showed up to a gunfight with like, you know, like a stick. You know what I'm saying? Like I felt like insecure because I didn't bring enough to this party and Big Nate never invited me back to his house. And I don't know where Big Nate is now. God bless Big Nate. Anyways, this story didn't have much to do with anything except the fact of here's the deal. Uh, this, this, as we're going to get into this uh, passage that I just read, we see here we have this woman. Uh, we find out that it's Mary, and she shows up and does this all, all this great stuff for Jesus. But then there's some people kind of on the outskirts like me that, man, they didn't do much for Jesus that day. Um, the gift that I want to talk about tonight for just a few minutes um, is worship. I believe Jesus deserves our worship. I believe he deserves all our worship. I believe he deserves all our heart. I believe he deserves passion in our worship. Amen. Um, I believe the best gift that we can give God this Christmas season is our worship. Um, every single week we come in here to the connection or you come to the main church here on the weekend or you go to your main church on the weekend and we go into a time of worship. Maybe it's 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 40 minutes and it's a time where, you know, the lights are low and the singer's singing and maybe you lift your hands and maybe um, you worship God. Maybe you just kind of sing the songs. But we've, we're familiar with this word worship. Tonight I want to spend a few minutes and I want to look at what really worship is. Just like we did last week with Grace, I want to look what is worship, why do we do it, and what does it really look like? What should our heart look like and be like when we're worshiping? Why does God want us to worship? These are questions we're going to talk about. First, uh, to give a definition of worship, the Hebrew, and I meant to ask Blake like how to pronounce these words, so I'm just going to go with it, you know what I mean? Um, the Hebrew definition of worship is shakah, and it means, listen to this, to become prostrate in homage of royalty or to God, to bow down, uh, to crouch, to fall down, to humbly beseech, to make uh, ambiance, to reverence, to stoop, to give all of oneself. Then there's three Greek words that uh, mean worship. And the first one is proskuno or something. It means to kiss. And the example is like a dog licking his master's hand, to fawn or to crouch, to pay homage, to give reverence to, to give all of oneself. It occurs 59 times in the New Testament. The next Greek word is symboi. Uh, it means to reverence, to hold in all. It's used 10 times. And the last word is latruo, probably not how you pronounce it, but it means to render religious service or homage to God. It's used 21 times. Now check this out. I just told you the Hebrew. I told you the Greek. Here's what the English is to ascribe worth to something. Describe worth to something. You worship by ascribing worth to something. Um, as you can tell, these meanings are different. The Greek and the Hebrew, it says worship means to bow, to pay reverence, uh, to kiss, to hold in awe, to uh, respect, to pay homage to, to give all of oneself. The English definition simply says to just hold something of value, something of worth. Are you following me here tonight for a second? I feel like the definition that I've heard my whole life for what worship means doesn't really encompass what worship should really mean to God, right? And just to kind of give a plug to some people tonight, first of all, read your Bible, amen? Every day, there's no excuse not to read your Bible. We'll read a history book. We'll read, you know, whatever, Reader's Digest. We'll like read people's, you know, their articles they post on Facebook. Man, we need to read the Bible, but not just read the Bible. We need to study the Word. Amen? Because God wants to show us some things. In our culture, we ascribe worth to a lot of things. 
um, our football team, our family, uh, to have good grades, to roadhouse. I love the roadhouse. Uh, to our future, you know, we think about our future and how we want things to be. Um, our bank account, we have worth on these things. These things are important. But a lot of times I feel like we put God on the same playing field. Does that make sense? I mean, my future is a big thing. I need to put some value into my future. My grades are a big thing because I want to have a good job one day. So I put some value into that. I mean, my football team, that's my team. You know what I mean? So I put some value into that. And God, man, he's God. So I put value and worth into God. But the problem is God is not on the same playing field as these other things. God should never be on the same playing field. It seems to me that the English definition of worship doesn't suffice what God deserves. Make sense? The question that I want to pose to us tonight is this. Have we made the worship of God just one of many things that we ascribe worship or worth to? Do we worship God just like we worship our favorite football team? Let's be honest. Do we worship God like we esteem our money? Do we worship God like we esteem our relationships? Because the Bible says that God is jealous and we're to have no gods above him, right? Do we esteem other things in our life on the same playing field? And a better question is, do we esteem other things above God in our life? Because let's be honest, man, we live in an American culture where it's so easy to get stuff. It's so easy to want to climb a ladder. It's so easy, man. I'm, let me tell you, a couple weeks ago, Whitney and I were in Frisco and her parents lived there and her parents have a big, nice house and nice new cars and everywhere we went, man, it's fancy things. It's like, you know, uh, the big SUV, the Lexus and the big this and that, the Escalade, the 2015. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Whitney, like, dang, you know. Whitney's mom's going into Nordstrom. I go into Nordstrom Rack. She goes into Nordstrom. You know what I mean? And it's like, dang, you, you see all these things around you. And the, one of the reasons I like going to these third world countries is you get a sense of worth. You get a sense of who God really is. You can tune things out. And another plug here, man, if you ever have the opportunity to go on a mission trip that's away from the United States, go. It will change your life. You will see things in a different perspective. Um, have we made out the worship of God to be on the same playing field as everything else in our life? Check out Exodus 34, 14. It says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Through the command and through the Hebrew and Greek definitions of worship, um, it's obvious that our worship of God should look different than the other things that we hold valuable in our life. How can we get so excited uh, about our favorite college team and they don't know anything about us, but yet Jesus died for us and a lot of times we can't get excited for him at all, you know? Or whatever your thing is, man, we need to get our priorities in line. Uh, one of the problems that I see in the American church today is when it comes to worship, the, the question is not do I worship, but whom and what do I worship, you know? It's not, do you worship God? Or are you a Hindu? Or do you worship Allah? In our culture today, it's not just what God do you worship. It's what many thing do we worship? Um, Mark Driscoll has a, a cool little quote here I want to read. It talks about worship. It says this, the human heart is an idol factory and everything is susceptible to becoming an idol in our life. An idol is something that is good, which we elevate, elevate to a God. From political causes to hobbies to recreation to sports to people, everything can become an idol in our life, pushing Jesus out of the center. Some men worship old cars and houses. They spend all their time and money renovating them while neglecting time with God and the people that God has called them to love, such as their wife and children and ministry. 
Some women worship their beauty and spend so much of their time, energy, and money on their looks that they are prone to neglect God and others, such as their husband and children, friends, and their ministry. The question is never, am I a worshiper, but, but rather, who am I worshiping? What am I worshiping? How am I worshiping? And here's a hint, track your time, your thoughts, your energy, and your money, because that's probably what you're worshiping most in your life. You know, I read this a few weeks ago and I just kind of screenshot. I was like, man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, how much energy do I put into useless things? How much energy am I putting into things that don't matter? And then how much energy am I putting into my worship and my adoration and my love for God? I think tonight maybe we need to take an inward look and see, man, am I really worshiping God? I know I'm called to worship God. I know I'm supposed to, but does my life, does my, does my money, does my time, does my passion reflect that? A lot of us in here, and none of you today, of course, because y'all are awesome, but man, every week I see people walking into church and it's just like a drag for them to be here. And I'm like, my gosh, you get excited about, you know, uh, not having to wait in line at Cane's, like you just won the lottery and my gosh, you're coming to worship God and it's like a big drag. We need to get our passions in line with who passion should be for, right? That's God. God loves us. He cares for us. Nothing should be worshiped higher than God. Um, he's not on the same playing field, right? He's above everything. So anyway, let's look at this story tonight for just a couple minutes. So Jesus, he's hanging out at a Pharisee's house. This woman, we find out that it's Mary the same Mary that, uh, you know, she was at his feet with Martha, Martha, the same Mary that came to his tomb. This is Mary. Uh, she comes into this Pharisee's house and she pours some perfume on the feet of Jesus. The story is found in three gospels, Luke, Matthew, and John. And the woman in the story obviously wants to get to Jesus. I mean, she just has to get to Jesus. The Bible says that she actually came through the back door. She wasn't invited, but she knew Jesus was there. She had to get there. And when she gets to Jesus, she isn't asking Jesus to bless her. She isn't asking Jesus for a lot of money. She's not asking Jesus for a favor or to help her family out or make her life easier. She basically just wants to bless Jesus. She comes to Jesus crying, weeping, and she takes this alabaster jar of perfume and she pours it on our Savior's feet. Friend, that's a good picture of what worship is. Pouring out giving, and not just giving anything, but giving something that costs something. Early in my Christian life, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't really know what worship was. I knew we did it. I knew most of the time it was kind of boring. I, I, I'll be honest, most of the time I didn't like all the songs, and I was just like, can we let this thing be over? But I felt worship was just like all about me, how I felt. Did I like the songs? What was going on in my life? I didn't realize that worship isn't about me or how I feel or what I need. It's about Him. It's all about him. Worship isn't, do I like the song or the lights right? Is this my style? Do I like the worship singer? It's not about, am I in the right mood? Worship is a response to the sacrifice that Jesus made that I call a revelation that I understand it and I want him, right? It's not just, I feel good, we're good. I had a good day. I'm gonna come on Thursday night and I'm ready to worship God. Worship is, I've had a terrible day, but he's still worthy. Worship is, I've had a terrible day and he's still good. He still died from his grace is still sufficient for me. That's why it's worship. It's not, you know, if God depended on me having a good day to worship him and everyone having a good day, he didn't build it like that. We worship him because he's good, because he's worthy. 
Now, as we know, and I'm not going to get into this, but alabaster perfume, you know, one of the translations talks about it was a year's wage. This was a good perfume. Mary was pouring some good stuff on Jesus's feet. Come on. She wasn't, you know, pouring some, uh, some Axe body spray on Jesus's feet. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't even some Burberry or some cool water. You know what I mean? Hey, I'll be honest, you know, in like eighth and eighth and ninth grade, like I had these girlfriends and like they both gave me some like big deals of cool water. Man, I had cool water till like two years ago. You know what I mean? Like, you know, anyways, um, but Mary didn't pour out just like some cheap stuff, man. She poured out some good stuff, something that cost her something, right? Mary knew what Jesus had done. He had forgiven her sins. He had given her a new life. He had given her fulfillment and pouring some expensive perfume on his feet was not a big deal to her. Being in his, in his presence was. Worshiping him was. It didn't matter how much this thing cost. Amen. Pouring some perfume out wasn't a big deal. Pouring the perfume on Jesus, it wasn't out of obligation or something that she just had to do. It was something that she wanted to do. Listen, we need to grab this. The reason God desires our worship is because pure worship is not an obligation. Amen? If God made us worship him, it would not gratify God like, you don't have to worship me. It's a choice to worship God. Do you understand this? Several uh, years ago, um, I had some kids in the youth group. They, uh, they signed a card. I think it was Pastor Appreciation Month and maybe some leaders um, had some youth kids sign a card for Whitney and myself. And I can remember this one particular kid. I'm reading this thing, and they're all pretty good, you know. Uh, but one of these kids, this is what it said. They made me do this, so thanks. Then they wrote their name out. I'm like... Oh, man, that makes me feel so good. You know what I mean? God doesn't make us worship him. But let me tell you, when we worship him, it gets him. You know what I mean? Uh, you saw Gabriel up there, and most of the time he's not screaming like that, okay? He doesn't look like, you know, the spawn of Satan or like uh, Chucky or whatever. But, um, man, he, all the time, dude, I, I'll be honest. And if you got like a little kid, like you just want to kiss this kid all the time. And a few months ago, Gabriel learned how to like kiss back. And so... I mean, honestly, in his mind, he's probably like, Dad, you're annoying. But all day, I'm like, give me a kiss, give me a kiss, give me a kiss, you know? And every once in a while, he'll just finally give in, and he'll be like, he'll give me a kiss. And it's kind of like, Dad, you're wearing me out. It's out of obligation. But then sometimes, I mean, honestly, like once a day, it seems like, you know, I won't have seen him for a couple hours, and he'll just run up to me, and like I'll pick him up, and he'll just like plant one on me, you know what I mean? on the lips because he's just 15 months and it's cool to do that at this age. You know what I mean? And so, man, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's not out of obligation. It's not because dad's pestering him. Look, when we give God worship out of our own free will, man, it does something to God. I believe it gets his attention. I believe he's like, oh my gosh, you know, God loves it. See, if you're just coming to church and you really don't want to worship and you're just kind of, ah, uh, and you're just going through it, the chances are you probably really aren't worshiping. If you don't want to be there, if you don't like the songs, if you're just kind of trying to get through it, right? Yeah. You can be singing and you can have a hand raised and not really worship God. Yeah. You can be on the ground and not really worship God, yet you can be silent, you know, not saying a word, sitting down, and you can be worshiping God with your whole heart. Yeah. It's not what it looks like. It's what's coming out. It's adoration, and you can't fake adoration. You can't fake passion, right? You can't fake that stuff. 
Um, Mary understood the reason why she was worshiping because, man, this man loved her. This man cared for her. He changed her life. How many people in here tonight, I want you to think about it, um, you have that kind of worship. You have that kind of adoration. Um, how many people in here, you're like a social media like fanatic? None of you are like, I ain't a fanatic. I mean, I check it 39 times a day, but I mean, I post two times a day. But think about it. Just think about your Instagram or, or, or your Facebook, man, and you look at it all the time. You don't look at that thing out of obligation, you know? I mean, if you're someone in here that does that all the time, you like to do that. I mean, that's something you get excited about. You like it. You, that's what you like to do, man. Worship should be something that we like to do. It shouldn't be a drag, right? We should feel that way about Jesus. He's not just an obligation. Oh, my gosh, I got to come to church. Oh, my gosh, I haven't said my prayers today. It's more than that. Back to the story, Mary and Jesus. I love the fact that she doesn't give Jesus some cheap perfume. She gives him the best. You know, we live in a world today that teaches the complete opposite of what Mary did. It teaches you to hold on to certain things, to create as much wealth as you possibly can, to save as much as you can, to get the biggest house that you can afford, get the, be- the biggest and best car that you can afford, get the nicest clothes that you can afford, even modern Christianity, get everything that you want and desire because name it and claim it. Then if you have any left, man, bless God, bless a charity, bless you know, somebody else. Man, that's not the kingdom. Mary gave her best stuff. She gave her best. Listen, when it comes to worship, you can either give God the good stuff or you can give God the cheap stuff. And I want you to evaluate your own worship in the last month, three months, six months, year. Have you been giving God the good stuff or you've been giving God the obligation stuff? Have you been giving God, you know, you're at work and you got to do a gift exchange and you just kind of grab something on the way to work. It's a sonic gift card. Here you go. Are you giving God something that means something to you? Right? Something to look at. Something that I've been thinking about. Um, when you're in worship, corporately, you can either be distracted, thinking about something else, thinking about homework, thinking about a person, or we can give him everything. You know, if you want God, if you really want to get close to God, man, bring him something that costs you something. You know, I read last week, Moses said, I don't want to give God anything that hadn't cost me something. Or David said that, I don't want to give God anything that hadn't cost me something. God said, not our worship should cost us something. This time of the year, another plug here. I'm just plugging all night. You know, man, look at your bank account. At the end of the year, it's a good time to, to sow into something. A missionary. I mean, someone that you know is in need, you know. We don't need another pair of boots, another pair of shoes. Like, they're great, you know. But man, 100 bucks will go a long way for a family that doesn't have much. It really will. A dinner, a gift card. Let's be people that give. We act like Jesus, Amen. Um, you know, when I wanted to marry Whitney years ago, um, I bought her a nice ring. It cost me something. Why? Because every time she looks at that ring, I want her to know that I care about her, you know? And, and she knows, man, I'm a tightwad. I don't want anything to go, you know? But she looks at it and she knows I care. Man, when God looks down from heaven at our worship, does he see we care? Does he see just some people trying to get out of here? It's something to think about. Um, I wonder how many of us would give him our best, when we just give God, when we spend so much time and affection and passion, you know, on hobbies and, and going out and our football team, and we give God the last 30 seconds of our day before we fall asleep, man, that's a re-gift. That's not good. Amen. 
when we can hang out, we can watch movies, we can go to the premiere of Mockingjay or Exodus or The Hobbit next week. And man, we can't give God five minutes a day. Our passions are messed up. So anyway, so Mary comes and gives Jesus this elaborate gift. She worships him. But what I find next is, is amazing. If you look at the three gospels, there's four different responses to what Mary gives Jesus. And I want to look at these for a second. As we look at these, I want you to see where you are. Which one of these people are you when it comes to worship and worshiping Jesus? The first is found in Luke chapter 7, verse 39. It says, when the Pharisees who invited him saw this, saw Mary pour the oil on Jesus' feet, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. See, these Pharisees, uh, they see this woman pour this and they just kind of get all pharisutical, right? What are you doing? You could have given this to the poor. Dude, she's a sinner. She's a bad lady and all this, just like a Pharisee. See, the Pharisees, they just were interested in looking the part. I just want to play the part. I just want people to see me play the part. My garments look right. I follow everything like I'm supposed to. But yet something on the inside was not turned towards God. You know, um, they didn't really want to worship Jesus. They didn't want to obey the teachings really of God. They really wanted to look good in public and to be approved by people in their society. And so a woman crying and weeping and pouring some expensive perfume on her feet, they just didn't understand. It just did not make any sense because they hadn't caught the revelation of who Jesus really was. Yeah, these guys showed up to church every week. These guys read the scripture. They told people that they were God's chosen people, but yet they really didn't know who Jesus was, and they didn't know how to worship Jesus. And let me tell you tonight, there's people all across this country and all across the world that show up at churches every single week. They sing the songs, they know the right things to say, but they don't understand what worship really is. Our churches are filled with them every weekend and they're not bad people at all, but they, have, they just don't know what worship truly is. Sometimes we can be around it, but not enter into it. Does that make sense? We can be around it, but maybe not get it. You know, when I was probably 19 or 20 years old, I'd been saved just a couple of years. I got saved when I was 17 years old. And, and I mean, I like coming to church. I love God. But I'll be honest, man, this worship thing, it, it didn't connect with me. You know, like it wasn't my style of music. And, and some people were weird around me. And like I didn't feel goosebumps. And, and, you know, I just didn't like it. But then I called a revelation of what worship was. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about me enthroning Jesus. It's about me giving him praise. It's not how I feel, but it's about what he's done. Amen? And so it changed my perspective. It needs to change our perspective. God, he's good, right? Maybe you're in here tonight, and like I said, man, you're not a bad person at all. Or maybe you've never been taught what worship truly is. Worship is not just raising your hands. It's not just feeling goosebumps. So when you worship, sometimes you feel the tangible presence of God, and that's God blessing you, right? But that's not necessarily how it has to feel every single time. But worshiping God is honoring Him. It's lifting Him up with everything that we have. It's, it's loving Him. Why? Because He died for us. Because He cared for us. Because we've done nothing to deserve it. That's why I give Him everything. Right? The second response is found in John 12. And if that's you tonight, man, catch the revelation. He's good. He's worthy. 
He died for you. If we can get that through our brain and through our brain to our heart, oh, he died for me. We've heard it for 20 years. He died for me. That will cause me to respond to him differently. You know, if, you know, Whitney introduces me to someone, you know, back from her high school days, we went to the same high school, but, you know, someone that she knew back in the day, I'm like, okay, nice to meet you. But if she's like, Travis, this person was my best friend in like seventh grade, like, you know what I mean? That means something more. Jesus isn't just something that fills the time on Sunday for an hour before the football game, before lunch. He's everything. The second response is found in John 12, verse 4. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas, who, was later, uh, who later betrayed him, objected. Why was it the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Verse 6, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money back, he used to take a little bit for himself. See, Judas sees this woman worship God and all that Judas can think about is this wasted money, but not really wasted money on the poor, but money that he could have taken for himself. Judas couldn't even think about Jesus and the worship of Jesus because the dude was so caught up in greed, all right? And maybe there's some of us in here tonight that the reason that we're not really worshiping God is because we have a sin or something in our life that's keeping us from God. As we know, sin separates us from God. It really does. Sin can make us feel unworthy. It can make us feel distant from God. And when we come in here every single week, we love God, but maybe we can't fully worship God because we feel so disconnected or we feel like a failure or maybe even that sin in our life is so corrupted us, even we don't even want to worship God. Are you following me here tonight? Judas wasn't a bad guy. Judas was one of the 12 that he picked, and he didn't just pick him so he would fail. He picked him because there was something inside of him. Judas, by all accounts, man, he prayed and people were recovered. He was a godly guy, but this sin came in and it overtook his life to where he didn't even care about Jesus anymore. He cared about this greed, this thing. And I'm telling you, friend, I've been in a place in my life before where a little sin crept in, and it got to the point in my life where this sin matured, and I didn't even care about worshiping God. There can be people in here tonight, you know God's good, but you have no desire to worship him because your appetite has went from something good to something not good. We can be attracted to the wrong things. We realize that. And let me tell you tonight, if you've been saved for any amount of time and you're not attracted to Jesus, you have something in your life that's causing you to be attracted to something else because Jesus is attractive. I know people, you know, that get so, you know, caught up in images and pictures and they can be attracted to the wrong thing and not attracted to real things. Are you following me? We need to be attracted to God. He's attractive. If you're not attracted to God, man, listen, Jesus still forgives today. Jesus will still take sin away. Jesus is still powerful. Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you have something big in your life, it's not too big for God. And let me tell you, when you give that to God, God will give you a new grace, a new passion to worship him. He really will. You know, and I'll tell you what, I pray all the time, God, give me a passion to worship you. I believe it's only by God's spirit I can worship him anyways. Guys, you couldn't get saved by yourself. You can't worship by yourself. It's God's spirit that shows us we need a need to reach out to God. And then we respond to do that. 
If you're in this place tonight, and man, you just, I'm not, that doesn't get me excited. I don't like Zach's song selection this week, or my gosh, the lights are too, I can't even enter into this. The chances are, maybe you've got some areas in your life that you need to give to God so you can see Jesus and be excited about him. Listen, the stage is great. I love this stage. I love our worship team. I don't need them. You don't need them to worship, right? Man, I think that deserves like at least three or four amens, but I'll take two. It's okay. Think about your worship tonight. Is it where it needs to be? Man, if it's not, number one, do you know what worship is? It's not about you. It's our response to him. Number two, if you know that, but you don't have a passion for that, maybe you have something in there that you need to get rid of that so you can see him clearly, right? Number three, the second response, I believe this is the saddest response of all, Matthew 26, 8. It says, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why the waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. You're talking about the disciples. They see Jesus do this amazing act. Jesus brings them to the Pharisee's house to be around him. They see this woman worship Jesus in extravagance. And they're like, what? Why is she wasting this perfume? We're not just talking about Judas and like Thomas, because that dude's always doubting anyway, right? You know, we're talking about Peter, James, and John, the big dogs. They don't understand why she's worshiping God in this manner, this fashion. This woman is pouring this expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus. And because of this, we can't use the money for the poor. But these guys had just given up three years of their life. They don't understand why a woman poured some perfume on the ground. Guys, you just gave up three years. It's like, come on. I find out so many times Christians, we can be so judgmental of other Christians. We can judge their worship. We can judge their praise. We can judge why they're doing this. We don't know what they've just come through. We don't know that this woman just got out of, I mean, the Bible says that she was promiscuous. She was a sinful woman. It's not talking about she's a Christian and sins a little bit. A sinful woman back in the day, it meant you were not of the covenant. You did not believe. You were out there, right? These guys, I believe they forgot who they've been walking around with for a few years. They've been walking around with the guy that opened blind eyes. They've been walking around with the guy that opened deaf ears. They've been walking around with the guy that fed 5,000. They've been walking around with the guy that they've given up their whole lives, their friends, their family, their wives, their business. They're upset that some woman poured some perfume on the ground. It's like, check yourself. I believe they forgot that there's a price to pay if you want to get close to God. I believe there's a price to pay. They forgot that if you want a lot of God, it's going to cost you something. In every area of our life, we understand, you know, if we want to get ahead in the business world, I need to show up early. I need to leave late. I need to be excellent. I want to be a great athlete. I need to show up early. I need to know the plays. I need to be excellent. And some magical thing with Christianity, we think if I just say, you know, God, I need to check in the mail, God's going to do it. Or if I want to have a super uh, natural like walk with God and, and flee sin, I just every once in a while I have to, you know, pop open the book of Proverbs and read the proverb for that day. In anything else, if you want to be close to God, it's sacrifice. But it's not really even our sacrifice because Jesus made the sacrifice. It's a revelation of the sacrifice that he made that will get me prostrate in the area to see him, right? It will get me able to see God. Look, God loves us in here tonight. And maybe there's some people in here that you love God. You've been a worshiper, but maybe something's happened in your life and you forgot he's still good. He's still on his throne. 
He's still worthy of everything, even if you didn't get the promotion. Even if you're taking an extra year to get your degree, he's still good. Even if the person broke up with you, even if it hadn't happened for you yet romantically, he's still good. He's still worthy of praise. Whether I like the song, whether my, you know, I'm sick, he's still worthy of it. I believe that the disciples, they forgot for a second. And I believe it's easy to forget. I wonder how many of us we've forgotten. I wonder how many of us, man, we just, it's not a big thing to us to worship anymore. We've done it so many times. Let me tell you, a lot of us in here, we go to four or five services a week and it can become sometimes monotonous. But man, just the Lord over the last couple of years has just told me, you get the opportunity to come into a corporate time of worship a lot and I'm still worthy. The first time you ever worshiped me, the first time you were ever saved, I'm still that worthy. Did you know that the Bible says that the angels 24-7 are circling the throne worshiping God? 24-7. Did you know that the Bible said in the throne room of heaven, 10,000 times 10,000 angels all the time worshiping God. We get to be a part of that. That's amazing. Can we get excited about Jesus for a second? Can we praise God for a second, right? Amen. Here's the deal. Here's the last response to Mary and the band can come up. Last response to Mary. This response comes from Jesus himself. And it's Matthew chapter 26, verse 10. It says, aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. I'll tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Listen, all that really matters in regard to worship and who thinks my worship looks like this or they don't like it, the only person that matters is Jesus. The only person that matters is Jesus. It's an audience of one. That's it. My worship is about me and it's about God. And I don't know about you in here tonight, but I want to please God. I want to please Him. I want you to ask yourself a, a final question tonight. Does your worship please Jesus? Does your worship please him? Does your attitude towards him? And look, you don't have to just come to a worship service to worship God. You can worship him all the time. Driving to work, at home, at work. You can worship God anytime. And I'm telling you, if we'd start worshiping God more than just at church, our church services would look a little bit different. It's just something I've been doing my whole, my whole day, my whole week. I'm just coming in here and doing it with more people. Guys, it's time. For years of my life, it was just a stop. I would just stop. Sunday, I got my worship in. I'm good. And we're starting over the next week. Man, what if we just lived in constant prayer and constant worship? I'm not talking about weird. You know what I mean? I'm talking about I ain't got nothing else going on. How about I just praise God right now? I can worship Him. I can do it out loud. I can do it quietly. But I can praise God because He's good. I looked up, a, or Whitney found this, uh, this quote. It said, worship isn't our sacrifice to him, but again, it's the acknowledgement of his sacrifice for us. That's good. When we come to worship God, man, it's not really a sacrifice. He did the sacrifice. I'm acknowledging what he did and I'm thanking him. Amen. Stand on your feet tonight. I wonder if we're in this place and you say, you know what? I just want to worship God. I wonder if we're in this place tonight and you say, man, my worship, man, it ain't been what it used to be. 
I've had a cold season. I've been preoccupied. Man, I've been there. I've been there. Working at a church, been there. Maybe you're in here tonight and you say, man, I got some issues. And, and I'll be honest, the reason I can't press in is because my affection and my passion are for something else. It can be something good, but a good thing can turn into a God. Or maybe it's a bad thing. It's a sin. And man, it's just separating you from God and you don't even want to worship. Tonight, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that we would have a fresh revelation of what Jesus did. I'm going to pray that any barrier that's between us and seeing what he did, and I'm going to pray that we would just be worshipers. And then we're going to worship a song. Sound good? Throw your hands up tonight. Lord, we love you. Lord, we throw our hands up because we don't know what else to do. God, we want you. It's an act of surrender to you. God, we're surrendering our wills to you. We say that you're worthy, that you're good, that there's no one like you. Lord, tonight, anybody in here that doesn't know what worship is, Lord, I pray that you would reveal your son, his death, his burial, his resurrection for us. Lord, people in here tonight that have just been preoccupied, God, I pray tonight that you would be our number one. God, people here tonight that our affection is for other things in this season, whether it's a sin or something good, God, I pray that you would clear a path. Help us. Give us the grace to see you. Give us the grace to have a passion for you. And God, we're sorry for maybe having idols above you. God, I'm sorry for having idols above you. But Lord, we choose to worship you tonight. Not because we feel good, not because we have a bank account full of money, not because it's not raining outside, but because you're good. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship God a song. Can we do that? However you want to do it, man, let's worship. You want to sing this out tonight? I saw the Lord, I saw the Lord, seated on His throne, cause He was clothed in glory, and exalted high. Hey! 
personal prayer for anything we want to pray for you but just during this last part man worship and, I, and I'll be honest man I can remember again when I was younger I mean even in my 20s what I mean what am I supposed to do during worship and first of all you thank God the Bible says you enter into his courts with thanksgiving you praise him you thank him you love on him you know it's not some particular formula and it's not like oh I did it wrong it's just telling God, man, thank you. I love you. Being in His presence, right? He's going to sing through this again. And let's just thank Him for loving us. Thank Him for what He did in your life. Thank Him for the Holy Spirit. Thank Him that you have a future and a plan. There's a lot of things to thank Him about. Thank Him for your kids. Thank Him for your job. You know, that's worship. Lord, again, as the prayer team's coming up, God, we love you. We thank you. God, we bless you because you're worthy. God, we thank you that you're more than enough. We thank you that you've never left us for, or forsaken us. We thank you that you're near and not far. We thank you that you have a plan to prosper us and give us a future. But we thank you for our health. We thank you that you watch over us. Just bless him for a moment tonight. every voice tonight we sing to you Lord the
worshiping him, you're not going to miss anything. You're not going to miss his will for your life. You're not going to miss out. Let's finish this season worshiping him, man. It's his season anyway. And man, it's just as we were praying here, I just felt I want to challenge everyone. Ten minutes of worship a day. Can we do that? I mean, some of us in here, man, we spend ten minutes doing just the most ridiculous stuff every single day. I'll be honest, I read an article about the new college football playoff system for like 20 minutes today. You know what I mean? Like, it's not bad, but man, we got time in our day to worship God. Let's be worshipers. Amen? Look, we love you. We are glad that you're here. Um, next week is our last service uh, for 2014. And uh, like I said, it's going to be a night of worship. It's going to be a night of communion. Uh, we're going to do... Uh, what we did last year was the first time I ever did this, but we showed uh, Billy Graham's word uh, to America last year. He has a new one for this year. He's 96 years old. It's about 20 minutes, and uh, it's about heaven. And uh, we're going to watch that next next week and, and worship God together. So, look, we love y'all. We're glad you're here. If you're our guest tonight, man, we're so happy that you came. Uh, we got some food in the cafe, some fries, something. Something really healthy. So anyway, God bless y'all. See you next week.
Hey guys, if you have any money for the uh, the one thing trip.